Okay. Yay. We're recording. <laughs> and then it's just silence. <laughs> and right, we we're are in the race. <laughs> Welcome to Mr. Reticle, where we take a theoretical approach to solving mysteries. It's never too late to give up your prejudices, and join us for this week's Mr. Reticle, the disappearance of Daniel Robinson, the death of Jelani J.J. Day, and the disappearance of Kishay Jacobs. He's disappeared? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, my lip reading is not very good in the morning. That's okay. No. I'm JP. <laughs> and I'm Len. <sighs> We're off to a great start, I think. <laughs> I completely <laughs> agree. It's our anniversary episode. We've been doing this yeah! for exactly one year and 54 weeks. Well, not It's actually 53. Weeks. Is it 53? Are we on number So 53? we were wrong because this is episode 53. Okay. So I don't know what we were counting last time. <laughs> yeah. But yes, a year and a week somehow. Um, somehow. And it doesn't include our bonus episodes. So it's just bizarre. Mm-mm. Yep. So today we are discussing uh, for our anniversary episode, um, two disappearances and one death who... He was recently uh, found, like his body was recently found, so oh, it's yeah. still a mystery. And they're all very recent mysteries. Yep. Kishay is, mm. right? She's from five years ago. Okay, that's still recent. But like, still ongoing, obviously. So. Yeah. Um, Technically, every case we do is ongoing. Yeah. Do you have any spring cleaning Housekeeping. Housekeeping. <laughs> My brain is not here today. <laughs> and I was so excited to wear a sweater because it's kind of cold. I know, I it's, know. Not really. It's too. really sunny, but. But it is chill. Like, like, I'm wearing a, a sweater. Air. Yeah. Yes. Um, Housekeeping. I feel like I thought of something. No, I feel like we talked about something. I just never. I don't know. I don't write anything down, so. No, I stopped. I stopped writing things down. (laughs) I don't think I had a pen at that time. (laughs) I never do. I add it to my stickies on my computer. Yep. I don't I don't think I have anything. Okay. As of right now. Well, let's just jump right into it. I'm ready. Are we going you you me you? You you me? You, me, you. Me, you, you. Me, you, okay. you me. And then... Okay. So first I'm going to kick it off by talking about missing white woman syndrome. Yes. When Gabby Petito went missing, the families of um these... The two men that we're going to be talking about... Um, her two. Her mom I'm so sorry. One second. My okay. sentence... <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. 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 Let's let's do this again. Okay. Okay. When Gabby Petito went, went missing, uh, the families of these three individuals um, were still searching for their missing uh, children, while mm-hmm. six agencies, including the FBI, devoted all of their resources, not all of them, but most of them, to search for Gabby. These families right. have been pushing for months and years in Quiche's uh, instance to raise awareness, but no one gave them the time of day un- un- until, you know the whole missing white woman syndrome kind of came out and then people started paying attention to these cases. Um, so, I mean, I'm glad that people are starting to shed light on them, but it's still not getting the time as much time of day. Like I wake up in the morning and turn on the news and it's Gabby, you know, it's not about these today. Even today I saw, I think dog, the bounty hunter is, I know (laughs) it's just getting, it's getting a bit out of hand with her because like dogs involved and he's searching and saying, Oh, I'm an hour away from his campsite when Shut up. Yeah. She doesn't know where anything is. But yeah. There, no, yeah. I'm with you. There were uh, 543,018 people reported missing in 2020, and nearly a third of those were black Americans. Media coverage of missing persons disproportionately focus on white people, um, and missing black Americans are often labeled as runaways or criminals, which influences how the media picks up the cases. When um, we'll see here that these these individuals were not runaways. They weren't um, criminals. In fact, like one of them was a, a graduate student. Like, so it's, there's a lot behind it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Do you have anything to add to I that am, before I jump in? I do just want to say, because we said it kind of in last episode, like I am happy that Gabby is getting the attention she's getting. Right. And like we need to catch Brian. Is he still loose? I haven't really. Yeah, Brian Laundry or whatever. <laughs> Dirty Laundry. Like we need to catch him, obviously, and all that stuff. And that's not what we're saying is that she shouldn't be getting all that. It's like right. everyone. Let's devote all of Everyone those resources. Yeah, especially yes. because, like, um, especially, especially with the cases that media too. Yeah, um, with the cases that I'm going to be talking about, like these people are findable. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a matter yeah. of like what, putting resources towards finding them, right? And putting their faces out there so even people know what, who, that they're missing and can be like, oh, I think that's that girl. It's the same. It makes me think of Madeline McCann. Uh-huh. Which I hate saying white woman said that's a different children or a whole other thing because yeah, cute, your cute blonde blue-eyed child would be more pushed than another child. But yeah, when she was like spotted in that gas station or whatever and they were like, I think it was her. Like it's like Okay, but you can't do that with other people that you don't know what they even look like or that they're even missing. Like, you're right. not going to, like, clock it, so. Yep. Yeah, totally. I'm with you. That's all. I am going to start off by talking about Daniel Robinson. Yes. Daniel was a 24-year-old geologist in Buckeye, Arizona. Um, He moved there in 2019 after graduating college. He went missing on June 23rd, 2021. Four months ago, almost. Yeah. Uh, around nine fifteen a.m. And I'm only just seeing his name recently. 
Yeah, I saw it like three weeks ago when I sent you that article. That was the first time yeah. I saw it. Yeah. Um, he was last. He was a geologist, and he was last seen on leaving his job. Um, at nine fifteen a.m. On so a few days. Oh no, this is not a few days. Hang on. Um, yeah. about a month afterwards, on July nineteenth, um, Daniel's twenty seventeen blue gray Jeep Renegade was found by a rancher four miles away from his job. The keys were found near the Jeep. Police searched the next day, but haven't searched anywhere since. Um, Although that might be a little, like, slightly outdated, I did read something where they were doing another search. Okay. But I think I talk about that in a minute. Um, The Jeep was in a ravine, and it, it appeared to have been rolled onto its side with the airbags deployed. So it wasn't, like, an accident or anything. It looked, like, very staged. His clothes, cell phone. How do you, sorry, how do you stage? Well, I'll get into the, like, the evidence okay. and everything and tell you a little bit about, like, why we think that it's staged. Okay. Um, there was a private investigator and stuff, so. Got it. His clothes, cell phone, wallet, and keys were all found in the Jeep, so he didn't take any of his personal belongings with him, which is, like, very abnormal, especially for a 24-year-old. hmm His coworker said uh, that he was acting strange the morning of his disappearance. He was saying things that just did not make sense, um, like asking the coworker if he wanted to go home to Phoenix to rest. Like, I don't know if that meant, like, hey, can I go home to rest? Or if it meant, like, he was asking the coworker if the coworker needed some rest. Right. Um, and about 15 minutes later, which, like, workday starts at 8, right? About 15 minutes later at 9.15, he waved goodbye and left. Like, just left. Up and left. Like, not not being like, oh, okay, I'm heading home early today right. or anything. He just, okay. Um, around 3 p.m. after not hearing anything uh, and no response to calls or texts from work and from the family. So I guess the coworker was kind of, like, communicating with the family as well. Like, hey, that, that something bizarre is happening. Um, the coworker, yeah. whose name is Ken, uh, went to look for Daniel. Um, Ken followed the tire tracks um, that he thought were... What a good co-worker. I know, I know. This is the kind of co-worker that, like, this is, like, the best friend co-worker, you know? Yeah. Um, Ken followed the tire tracks he thought were Daniel's um, near the work site. Shortly after the disappearance, um, all of Daniel's Instagram photos were deleted. Okay. Which takes time, because you, you can't just, like, mass delete them. You have to individually go into each photo mm-hmm. and delete them. Um, and for a 24-year-old, like, you probably had a lot. Yeah. Because Instagram um, would have been around since you were in high school. Yeah. Um, family and friends reported odd behavior uh, leading up to the day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, it's way longer than high school because I think Instagram started like my freshman year. Yeah. So, that was like eight years oh, ago. God, Instagram. Or nine. I was already gone. I was already out of high school. <laughs> um, We're old. Okay. Yeah. The family described him as being off, like just off. Um, he mm-hmm. texted his sister that he had an emer- emergency. And so she started calling him, but he didn't answer any of the calls. 
This is like before he disappeared and everything. Um, he also went to his sisters in the weeks before and sat in silence for, for about thirty minutes before he just got up and left. Um, he okay. told he told his dad that he met a woman and was in love with her, but he didn't know anything about her. When the dad like was asking questions and stuff, yeah. He also said something to his coworker, um, Ken, about it, and. He, like, mentioned, oh, I like this woman, but it, like, it just wasn't making sense. Like, he just wasn't, like, the connection really wasn't there. Um, mm-hmm. So, about that woman, Daniel was apparently an Instacart delivery person. So, like, he would do that okay. on the side. And yep. he um, delivered groceries to this woman. She later came forward, and she invited him into her house, and they exchanged phone numbers. Like, she was like, oh, wow, he's, like, really nice, you know? Um, They exchanged phone numbers. He then showed up at her house unannounced a few times and then started claiming his love for her. She asked him to stop contacting her, and he respected her wishes and, like, immediately stopped. Um, On July 31st of this year, a human skull was located south of where Daniel's Jeep was discovered. Um, but forensic evidence showed that it was not Daniel's. Well, and I was going to say that's really quick for a, yeah, for a, skull bo- to, for decompose. a body to decompose. Yeah. yeah. Um, to that point where there's like no, where it's just a skull. Yeah. It's very interesting, though, that, like, right nearby there is a human skull. Like, it gives me very Maura Murray vibes, you know? Um, yeah. Not like the. They found, body, like, I don't think that they found, like, human bones or anything, but they found, like, decomposition, like, human decomposition. Right. The dogs, like, were going wild. And it was right. right nearby where she went missing, but then, like, the DNA didn't match or something. It was another woman. I don't but really these remember. Are, <clears throat> these are also in, both in really, those two, this and Maura Murray, yeah. they're both in, like, rural yes. areas. Yeah. So. Um. Daniel's father, David, hired a private investigator and searched the deserts of Arizona for his son. When Daniel went missing, David, the dad, Mm -hmm. drove from his house in Columbia, South Carolina, where David grew up, where Daniel grew up, um, to Arizona, where police were investigating the disappearance. Like, he immediately, like, knew something was wrong. He got up and he drove over there. So far. I know. That's a hike. Um, when Daniel went missing, oh no, I already said that. Uh, David reached out to a nonprofit group or a few nonprofit groups um, to help him network um, and like get the word out there. Smart. Dozens of volunteers participated in searches, and uh, two websites were launched. Um, That's awesome. And remember, like at this point, like as all this was going on, police have only searched for Daniel once, and it was like when they found his jeep. Yeah. He, his, Daniel's family also hired an accident reconstructionist who claimed the scene had been staged. So this is where this comes from. Okay. The, after the airbags were deployed, the ignition was turned over 46 more times. Okay. Which isn't normal. There was also an additional... Wouldn't the... Turned over like the car was, sorry, turned like over you, like the car was turned on or like they were trying to start the, it. I think they were trying to start it. Um, and I guess they did actually get it started at least once because there were additional 11 miles on the car that registered after the crash. 
Okay. There was also red paint on the side of the Jeep, but there was no red paint anywhere near the scene. Like, this is rural, rural Arizona. Like, like if they got hit by, like, a red truck and it, like, scraped onto the side. A red truck, or yeah. That's what I was kind of thinking, too, is, like, it was a, like, Because I immediately sort of pictured, vehicle. like, someone threw wet paint at it, and I'm like, no, it's probably, no. like, they got hit. They hit something red. Or, like, <laughs> a f- hit, like, a fire hydrant or something that was yeah. red or sideswiped. Yeah. Um, but, I, like, there was nothing reported nearby. There's nothing nearby at all, like, showing that. Okay. So. Um. Continue. <laughs> Rolling. You're good. Okay. In October of this year, um, police mm-hmm. started using robotic equipment to search two shafts in the desert that are upwards of 75 feet deep. They also um, are looking in areas where a canine from a volunteer search group alerted them, um, I guess, like to decomposition or you know, yeah. the scent of, of Daniel Depending or something. On- Depending on what kind of dog, it right, was right, trained for. Mm-hmm. Um, this is all due to public pressure and community support uh, of searching for the scientist. Daniel is five feet eight inches tall and one hundred and fifty-five pounds. He is African American and he was born without a right hand. Um, oh. The family feels he's still alive and wants the public to keep the pressure on law enforcement. There's a ten thousand yeah. dollar reward for information that brings Daniel home, and foul play is. At this time is not suspected, according to police, but the family feels otherwise. Mm. Um, as far as theories go, there's really no theories um, other than mental it's hard illness. Hard to theorize is, when it's so new. Mental yeah. illness is definitely something that, like, should be talked about, especially in this case, because he was acting strange prior to that. Um, things were going on, but also like. Anything else could be involved in this. I mean, maybe he was gambling or something. And, yeah. you know, like somebody was after him about that and he was just extremely paranoid from that. Like any kind of stress like that can can mimic like a mental illness. Maybe and he so, was on antibiotics and uh, yeah. Mars Latank. Lars Matank. Yeah. Mars Latank. <laughs> um, anything um, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He could have just like had some bad friends. Uh, I mean, are th- are people being like questioned? Like, no, there's no, see? there's no foul play, no suspects. Like, according to police, the family though. But like, like you can canvas and ask questions. Yeah, no, that didn't not happen. arrest people, but I don't think that happened because like no witnesses came forward, and it's not like a busy area. It's right. Like, he, he crashed into a ravine, or, like, his car was found in a ravine. But I just mean, why is that not, like, the norm? Why is it not the norm to just be like, cool, who are all the people he knows? Let's see if they know yeah. anything. Anything. Or have, um, like, noticed anything I know that, off, or... Yeah, because I don't know that they went and questioned anyone. I know that Ken came forward. I'm sure that, like, family volunteered and came forward and right. just said, hey, like... And then that woman, but... It doesn't, like, does he go to the same coffee shop every day? Maybe, like, they were like, oh, he didn't come in this day, or he was acting weird, or... Yeah. I don't I don't know. Like, why like, is... Like, look it, at I his daily mean, routine like, and stuff. Not, yeah, why is that not, like, a normal thing? Right. Right. I feel like it is when... It, sad to say. I feel like it is when it's, like, a cold case. Yeah. 
because then they're looking for anything they can find. But, like, can we do that while they're still potentially alive? Also? I know. Like, the first 48 hours is the most important <laughs> in a missing person's yeah. case. I'm also mad they only looked for him once. Yeah. I know. I mean, they are searching those mine shafts and everything. Or those shafts. I don't know if they're mine shafts. Yeah. Like, don't let me I mean, speak. I bet they're in the desert. I bet they are. There's yeah. a lot of old mine shafts. Like, if, even if you go to, like, Joshua Tree, there's a lot of old mine shafts out there. Huh. People digging for gold. Yep. And murdering each other over gold. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> the gold rush was a crazy time. Yeah, it was. Is it my turn? It's your turn. Let's talk time. about Quiche. Okay. Um, I was supposed to talk about Xavion Smith or Xavion. Um, uh, he was 16 years old and he went missing on September 2nd of this year. But I just wanted to mention him because I'm happy to report that he was found safe and alive on September 27th. So. Did he, do we know what happened there? I don't know. I barely found anything about it, which is why I kind of wanted to mention it. Because I was like, there's like one article that's like, they found him. I think he might have ran away. I don't, I don't want to say. I really don't know. Yeah. yeah they never said. But he's safe and he's alive and that's all that matters. Yep. Um, so, Quiche Unique Jacobs. I wrote, <laughs> I wrote Jack Bowes. <laughs> Jack Bowes? Jack Bowes. Not Jacobs. Jack Bowes. Oh, I, I was like, what? <laughs> it's Jacobs. Um, Quiche, who commonly goes by Kiki or Shay, was born on January 1st, 1995 in Virginia and has been missing since September 26th, 2016. Um, Quiche was only 21 years old when she went missing five years ago. She is approximately five foot three and weighs 100 to 110 pounds. She is African-American with brown hair and brown eyes. She has several tattoos, including paw prints on her right thigh, a flower on her right hand, leaf on her right foot. The uh, T-O-N-I, it's, it's her mom's name, Tony, beneath a heart on her left shoulder and a rose on her left arm slash shoulder, which I think is above Tony. Mm-hmm. No, the heart is above Tony. Um, so she has a lot of things that are like, unique about her appearance and she also right. has her ears pierced yeah um so quiche her brother her brother i don't know if it's devon or davon d-e-a-v-o-n mm -hmm. i would say devon um and their mother tony were all extremely close tony explained that keisha wasn't one to go out she was more of a homebody who was a hard worker and was always proud to earn and save up her own money Quiche was also really close with her brother, who got out of jail only about a week before she went missing. Tony explained that they usually spoke through texts or on the phone throughout the day. On September 26, 2016, which was a Monday, Quiche texted Tony to let her know she was spending the night at a friend's house and that she'd come home the next day to make her brother breakfast. Tony didn't question which friend because Quiche was 21 years old and could make her own decisions, and Tony respected that. Mm-hmm. Tuesday, so the next afternoon, Tony was at work and was expecting Quiche to call like she normally would around 11 or 12, which was Tony's lunch break, but no call came in. So Tony started calling her daughter because she thought that was um, out of character. Yeah. But this is one of those things where, like, 
I like I hate I hate it I hate it because you always look back at these things and you're like man if only I would have asked what friend or man if only you know what I mean but like yep you wouldn't think to do that at the time but it's like looking back you're like it's hindsight yeah should have had hindsight (laughs) yeah which is impossible yeah I always say go with your gut yeah and because like her it, gut, and, it, and it's better to make an assumption and be wrong than to just go. Oh, I'm sure it's fine, and ignore it, and then regret it. Yeah, because something happens. It sucks, but do you see the scratch the cat put on my face? Oh wow, what a bitch! But it was my fault. I was in his face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, I just wasn't quick enough. Um, anyway, so Tony started calling her daughter. Her calls went straight to voicemail. So she called her son, Devin, if he knew where Quiche was, but he hadn't heard from her since the night before. Tony explained that Quiche was responsible and always had her phone charged. And on the rare occasions that it did die, she would go to her aunts and like call her mother from there and be like, hey, my phone is dead. I'm here charging it. Um, But that wasn't the case this time. Tony got home from work to find Quiche still absent. So she began calling her daughter's friends, but no one had heard from her. On Wednesday, um, she went a step further and went to Quiche's friend's house to see if anyone knew where Quiche was, but no one did. So she drove to the police station to file a missing persons report. In a newer article, Tony said, I had to literally plead my case to this police officer for him to even take me seriously. Mm -hmm. The police told her that they would get back to her that very day, 48 hours after Quiche went missing, which... I do want to point out the 48-hour rule, like, for reporting someone missing is a TV myth. Yeah. It's not real. You go to Um, the police right away if you suspect something. Yes. Go immediately. And if they don't believe you, like, push. Oh, what? Yeah. Oh, Tony pushed. Oh, I'm sure. It sounds like it. Um. And it's better to report it and be wrong and find them safe and alive within 48 hours than to be. Yep. Right, and to have that precious time wasted, like we were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so the police were like, she's 21, she's fine, she just wants space, and Tony had to convince them that this wasn't how Quiche did things. The police did not get back to Tony. It says, okay, the, it says the police did not get back to Tony until a week later, but, like, other things had them, like, asking for help, like, two days later from, like, the public. So I don't So maybe know. they didn't talk to them. I don't know, that's weird. Yeah, it was strange. Um, So there are some, like, articles that are a little crossed that I don't fully know. Um, Yeah. So Quiche's disappearance itself and, like, evidence and all that stuff. Um, Quiche was last seen walking from her apartment in the 3100 block of East Broad Street in Richmond, Virginia, near Chimborazo Park. Not from Virginia. I don't know how to say anything. On September 26, 2016. Her cell phone, bank card, email, and Facebook have been completely unused since her disappearance. The police asked the public for help on September 29, 2016. So that's why I'm like, that was only three days later. So yeah. I don't know if the week thing is true. I don't know. Um, 
It was believed that no one had seen Quiche right before she disappeared, but later, once the police asked for help, three of Quiche's friends showed up at Tony's door with news they had originally withheld previously. Her best friend drove Quiche to the home of a young man who remains unidentified by police and a female friend, also unidentified by police, at um, the man's house. Upon learning this, Tony went to the house and asked about her daughter, which made her suspicious because his story didn't make sense. He admitted he knew Quiche and that he saw her that day, but then goes on to say she called a ride and left, but he kept switching up his story. So Tony, because suspicious, called the police who came and searched the house, and they did speak with the suspect as well, but they didn't find any evidence of Quiche being there. Sadly, about three months after Quiche disappeared, her brother Devin, who was 25, was murdered. On January 8th, 2017, in a The one who just got out of prison? Mm-hmm. <sighs> and he was 25, a little baby. Tony must um, be, like, reeling. Yeah. The murderer, um, James D. Henshaw, was convicted for second-degree murder, and police do not think that the two cases are connected. No, unfortunately not. Yeah. Um, but I'm happy they caught the guy. Yeah, at least in that sense. In that I don't know how much time. I tried to find how much time he got, and I couldn't find yeah. it anywhere. So hopefully hopefully forever. Um, police also did door-to-door canvassing, as did Tony and her family, and the police took search dogs out in hope of finding Quiche, but nothing came of it. They also haven't found Quiche's cell, ID, or small bag of clothes that she had with her since she was like going to a friend's to spend the night. In November of 2016, a man charged with severely burning a one-year-old girl in his care with hot water was noted as being the last person seen with Quiche just hours before her disappearance. At the time, they said there was nothing to indicate he had anything to do with Quiche's disappearance, but this was before they even suspected foul play, which was 14 months after Quiche's disappearance. I mean, the first, that whole beginning period of when she went missing, like, flags me as something's going on you know it sounds Mm -hmm. like there's foul play yeah well yeah if she's not using her she has not accessed her bank she has not used her phone she hasn't contacted her mom who she talks to every day yep um in 2018 it was announced on local news outlets that a violent criminal who remained unnamed had knowledge of quiche's disappearance while he was incarcerated and serving almost 10 years for a violent crime involving another woman but they didn't release the man's name since it could harm their investigation. Also, it's probably bullshit. He was probably just looking for, like, time, like, what is it, where they give you time for, um, or they take away some of the time that you have to be in jail if you have information about a different case. Oh, right, or if you, like, confess to things or whatever. Right. Well, yeah, that's that whole jailhouse confession shit that's most of the time bullshit. Not always, yeah. but... Um, and I think his... I think his... Uh, what he was in jail for wasn't, like, murder or kidnapping or anything. I think it was, like, sexual assault. Um, I'm not positive, though. Uh, that's kind of all I have about her disappearance. Um, I do you have any thoughts? I have like a little initial thoughts, nice things at the end, but initial thoughts would be that 
she went somewhere to a friend's or um, someone that she thought could be, like, a potential boyfriend of some sorts um, with the intention of, like, going on a date. Maybe it's their second or third date and then staying the night mm-hmm. or whatever. And so, but what who she thought the person was definitely wasn't the person, like, who, who yeah. the person was actually. Yeah. And, and something came up. But then why did she go to that other guy's house where her female friend was also? Well, I think that all happened before she went to. Mm, yeah. Or maybe like yeah, she went o- over there and then like was texting with the guy and like, you know, went over there to his place or yeah. something. Yeah, unless you, know. unless the friend has something to hide. think so i don't know i don't know i mean people have done stranger things if they're like if she went over and the friend and the was with her boyfriend or whatever and like the boyfriend did something and the friend was hiding it because she loved him or something you know what i mean like i hear that story a lot too i'm not i don't know the friend i haven't seen her or anything so i don't know i also think and i didn't really look into like what is like in Richmond, but I was also thinking of like her just being like trafficked. Unfortunately, I'm sure I feel like it's rampant everywhere. So yeah, yeah. Like maybe she was there, and then she was maybe they maybe they got into an argument or something, and they and she left, and he didn't want to look suspicious, so he kept changing his story, and she was walking somewhere, and then she got like picked up. Yep. Totally possible. Not right now, Bubba. Shh. Um. Shh. Hang on. That's it. He's going to want back in in like a minute. Yeah. We'll see. Um. So, uh, Tony... Quiche's mom organized a missing persons day along with the Richmond Police Department and the Richmond Mayor, uh, LeVar Stoney. This day happens every April since Quiche ha- uh, English. This day happens every April since Quiche has been gone. It's about giving information and being a support for families going through similar things. Tony has a big family and has had a lot of support, but she knows not everyone has that and she wants to give it to others. So although Tony has a wonderful community and a lot of interactions with the police who are working very hard to bring Quiche home, including a new detective that was put on um, the case this year, because the old one, I think, got like a new job or something. He like moved, moved up in his career. Um, this new detective is hoping to bring new eyes to Quiche's case. She still recognizes that this is a story about race, even though it shouldn't be. Her frustration with news coverage remains the same as many suffering families. There aren't, they aren't given the time of day, and they use negative language and judgment a lot. Um, Tony recognizes that she is lucky that Quiche's story is being covered by local news stations, and she even went on to say, stop thinking the negative and the worst first before you think about wanting to help. Quiche and Gabby Petito were about the same age when they went missing. Tony goes on to talk about how heartbroken Gabby Petito's parents must be and that she understands the heartbreak. To lose a child is something that I don't wish upon my worst enemy, but now when you look at the news, that's all I see. 
There's other people missing out there that need the same attention. Yeah. Tony believes that Quiche is still alive. Quiche was last seen wearing black basketball shorts, pink and black Nike basketball shoes, and a pink scarf. If you have any information on her whereabouts, please call um, the Richmond police, which I didn't write a number I forgot, or you can call Crime Stoppers at 804-780-1000, which is anonymous. Mm-hmm. And there you go. Now let's talk about Jelani Day, or he was yeah. known as JJ. I don't have a lot of information about him. Um, okay. Jelani Day was a, an Illinois State University graduate student who went missing in August 2021. He was 25 years old and was in his first semester specializing in communication sciences and disorders. He wanted to be a speech pathologist, which my cousin's a speech pathologist. That's cool. Um, it took a lot for him to get into school. Um, he had a lot of challenges, like, working against him, and when he finally, like, got in, it was, like, a huge deal, and he took it very, yeah. very seriously. Um, he was known for calling his mother nonstop several times a day, <laughs> which is exactly <laughs> how I was when I was in college. Um, it's not. I rarely talk to my dad. Not in a bad way. We just yeah. don't. We're just not those people. <laughs> yeah. Um, JJ was spotted on video at a store the morning of August 24th wearing a blue button-up collared dress shirt, black pants, a black belt, black dress shoes, and a blue face mask. Um, two hours later, he was spotted on camera again, which this came to light a few days after his disappearance. Um, Sorry, what state is this? Illinois. Illinois. Okay. Um, two hours later, he was spotted on camera at a different location at a cannabis dispensary. He was wearing a blue Detroit Lions baseball hat, a black Jimi Hendrix band shirt, and white or silver shorts with black sneakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, two days later, his white Chrysler 300 was found in the woods about 60 miles north of Bloomington in Peru, Illinois. Um, the clothes that he wore that day, that day were found inside of the car. Police dogs, uh, police took dogs and drones through the woods there, um, but found nothing. Hmm. In September 2021, a month after his disappearance, a body was found on the Illinois River. The cause of death is unknown, and they are waiting on uh, toxicology testing. JJ is described as standing six foot two, weighing 180 pounds. He has black hair and brown eyes. Hang on, let me just do one thing. I just need to yeah, search and make sure like nothing else came up recently. Because I wrote this like four days ago. You're good. Um, so I just want to yeah, make sure. Yeah, since like, it's still like ongoing. Yeah. Um. Um. Okay. So. Uh, yesterday, which would have been. Uh, Friday, October eighth. Um. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No. On Thursday, October 7th, which was just a few days ago, um, they had his funeral and a memorial at Illinois State University. Um, mm-hmm. His mother, uh, Carmen Bolden Day, spoke at the service and said, if you had met him, you would have liked him. And thank you for realizing Jelani was important, not just to us, but important to everybody. Hmm. The cause of death still has not been released, and police are still investigating the case along with the FBI. Uh, Today, October 9th, 
Mm-hmm. Um, there will be a celebration of life in his hometown of Danville. That's nice. Yeah. Um, I wish we could go. Yeah, if we were anywhere near Illinois. Yeah. Let me just double check. This yeah, one. I found this like article that said, did DNA backlog affect Jelani Day? Yeah, I saw that one. I didn't look at it, though. No, I'm just, just curious. They identified his body through DNA and dental records. His mom was not allowed to see the body because of how waterlogged it was. Hmm. I get that. But she forced herself to go see it anyway because she couldn't rest uh, and know for certain in her heart that it was her son or ever have, um, yeah, we'll leave it at that. So this is like saying, like it was hard because they have to wait to figure out if it's him because of how much they have. But then like, which I get, from the family's point of view, you want it to be instant, but also, like, they're just now putting together, like, a national database of, mm-hmm. like, missing people and stuff. Like, I don't know. That's a hard... It yep. needs to be quicker and more succinct and efficient, but, like, having giant singular databases, I think, is really important because the issue of, like, police not discussing with other police departments is literally a problem today. Yeah. Yep. And it's like, why is that still a fucking thing? It proves it's been shown time and time again that like you have to come together. It's true. So I get the frustration for sure. I oh can't yeah. Imagine having to wait like, oh we found a body, but you have to wait for weeks before we can like say if it's your child or not that is excruciating Mm -hmm. (sighs) hopefully it gets better faster better um hopefully dna isn't that like you're lining up the things yeah hopefully that improves the process improves and it can be expedited so that people can get answers faster yeah well, because then if not, it's like, cool. So if you found the body, does that mean you also stop looking? Right. Because you're taking the time to figure out if it's them or not. And then if it's not them, then you wasted all this time where you could have been looking. Well, maybe you're looking um, for clues around because no matter what, like it is a body that has a story and you need to find out what the story is. No, of course. I mean, like, like say you found bones somewhere and you know someone's missing Mm -hmm. do you pause looking for that missing person because you found bones you know what i mean like are you gonna like put that on the back burner i wouldn't because in the case of daniel robinson they found bones right and they weren't his so like you could have a serial killer on your hands you know what i mean like you could definitely have things going on that you don't even know Especially in rural Arizona. Mm-hmm. Rural Isn't that Arizona. where the West Mesa are? Yeah. 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 If... Oof. Do you have any last-minute thoughts before I, I lead us out? No. Anyone with information relating, related to Daniel Robinson is urged to call the Buckeye Police Department at 
6400. If anyone has information about Jelani Day or his disappearance, they're asked to contact Detective Paul Jones at 309-434-2548 or email him at pjones at cityblm.org. If you want to share your own theories um, or have case suggestions for us, please feel free to email us at mrreticle at gmail.com or contact us on any of our socials at, at Reticle, IG, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. And we're even releasing episodes on YouTube. Yep. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts and tell all your friends about us. Don't Please. play with strangers. Is there a stranger in your house? (laughs) 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 And don't trust your government. Um, Do not call for black power or green power. Call for brain power. And that's a quote from Barbara Jordan. God damn. We did it. That was good. Yeah. Sad. Very. Super sad. Very. I hope they, I hope they find them. Uh-huh.